Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of On the Pitch presented by Deep Dive Sports. As always, I'm your host, Dom, and I'm joined this week by Chase. Going to talk about what was a pretty hectic two weeks um, in football since our last episode. Um, it's been a bit of a roller coaster for some of the top teams in Europe, as, as we'll discuss later. But getting things started, um, we've had some managerial changes in the Premier League. Um, Chase, what do you what do you make about all the the sackings of all, all these managers midseason? It seems like every year there's always one or two managers that lose their job midseason or, you know, a team goes on like a three game losing streak and people are thinking the managers are going to get fired. Um, yeah, it's been pretty hectic this year. Uh, Watford started us off with Cisco Munez and then <clears throat> probably one of the biggest ones this year, obviously, is Newcastle's manager, Steve Bruce. Got let go after his his thousandth game in charge um, under new management. Newcastle is obviously, if you haven't heard. And then Tottenham sacked Nuno after only ten games in charge, which was <clears throat> a, a little uh, a little crazy to me. But I mean, to be fair, Nuno didn't have the best track record over those ten games. It, it, the Spurs team for me was not. I don't know. It wasn't what it could be. I should say. And then. I mean, most recently, just over the last couple of days, we have Daniel Fard from Norwich get let go and Dean Smith from Ashton Villa get let go. Um, I mean, we're only, what, 11, 12 match days into the season. We've already had five managers let go, which is extraordinarily high for a season, I feel like, at this point. I feel like usually when we see, when we get to the numbers of, four or five or six managers getting losing their jobs in a season. It's around the January transfer window or a little bit after. And that's usually the peak of what we'll see for the whole season. There's usually not that many managers going in and out, but yeah, I think the premier league has so much going on and so many, so many clubs that aren't supposed to be in the top six that are in the top six or fighting for the top six or drawing with teams from the top six or even beating teams in the top six so often that these clubs, especially when it comes to like Tottenham, who's used to being a top six club or Ashton Villa, who's been, I mean, last year was phenomenal um, for their standards. I should say when the year that they were, you know, one point away from getting relegated. And then last year they were almost in a European spot. So <clears throat> I think there's a lot of expectation right now. And I think these clubs are, are seeing these other teams like Brighton, who's in seventh right now. Um, West Ham, who's third tied with Man City for second place. Um, just these clubs that, like I said, aren't, where they they should be, I guess. That's probably not the correct way to say that. But there's such a high standard right now. And then they realize that the league is so open. I mean, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven teams from fifth with 15 points or above. And a European spot is at 20 right now. And every team that sacked their manager, except for Watford and Ashton Villa, is in a spot to take those places. So I think what they're thinking right now is if we turn this, if we can get a coach going and with the season as crazy as it is, we'll just get rid of the coach now, try to find a replacement, and maybe they can sneak into a higher 
table spot than they normally would be able to, which is very, very feasible right now, especially with Man United, Man United on the rocks, Tottenham on the rocks, Everton kind of hitting a down slope, Leicester hitting a super down slope in the Premier League. You know, there's a lot of open spots to be had at the top of this table. And yeah, but I mean, with, with that being said, you know, the, the grass isn't always drainer on the other side. Just because you you get rid of a manager that you know may be underperforming in the first ten games, doesn't mean that the guy that you bring in is going to be any better. Um, you know, especially if you you know get rid of a, a manager that's that's popular among the players, but you know for whatever reason, like things aren't just translating on the field yet. I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of times these clubs are too quick to to let go of managers because. You know, like any sport, it, it takes time to implement a system and, you know, build your coaching staff and bring in the players that you want that can fit your scheme. So a, a lot of times you're not going to have instant success. Um, you know, you look at Man City when the, when we brought in uh, Pep Guardiola. His first year in charge, we finished fourth. Um, you know, we, we barely qualified for the Champions League, um, but, you know, we – Gave him time. He struggled. He learned the league. And, you know, look what we've been ever since. Right. So I don't know. I, I, I feel like a, a lot of these guys are are fired too quickly, you know. And, uh, of course, there's managers like Steve Bruce that really should have never been, you know, managing a, a club like Newcastle in the first place. But, um, you know, we, we talk about clubs rushing to, to fire manners too quickly he would he, Newcastle gave him too long of a leash in my opinion but um you know that that's that's another topic for another show <laughs> I yeah and I and I agree with you um I mean especially clubs like Watford but or, or even Tottenham who's gone through so many coaches in the past year and a half two years um yeah I mean it seems like every six months they have a new manager and right. you know bringing in someone like Nuno um he he was you know really successful at, at Wolves. He he built them into a, a respectable club that you know can really give some big clubs a run for their money. You know, granted they weren't really you know competing to win the uh, Premier League, but they were you know constantly around seventh to fifth, um, which you know top of the table is pretty respectable, especially in the Premier League. You know, I figured you give him all the resources that Tottenham has. And I, I thought, you know, he could be a pretty successful manager, but obviously I'm not in charge of Tottenham. So right. <laughs> that, that and, decision wasn't, wasn't mine to be made. And that's completely fair. I mean, but the thing with, I mean, you look at Tottenham and Wolves on the table right now, Wolves are above Tottenham on goal difference. Um, eighth and ninth is where they both sit. Wolves at eighth, Tottenham at ninth. And I mean, Nuno was successful in the Premier League. And I always felt like he could do better with a better squad. Mm-hmm. Got Tottenham, and obviously Tottenham has a really good squad. They just haven't been able to put everything together. And obviously they like go to Nuno after 10 games. But I don't think he was performing as good as he should have been at Tottenham. But, I mean, the fact that they only gave him 10 games when he's been, you know, in the Premier League for the past couple of seasons, taking down top six sides with the Wolves side, you know, right. I'll, I'll 100% agree with you there. And they let go of him too quick. There's something else going on at Tottenham that's that's beyond the managerial aspect. Yeah, I mean, Tottenham seems like it's been a club that really doesn't 
have a direction and they don't seem to have had a direction for some time. Um, I think, I, I think their first mistake was getting rid of Pochettino. Um, you know, maybe his, his he kind of ran his course there and kind of lost a locker room, but I don't know. I think he's, he's one of the better managers in Europe. And I think it was a mistake letting him go. And I mean, do you look at the amount of managers that they've gone through since they let him go? It's been what, two years and they're on their fourth manager. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think they should let him go, but, you know, that's obviously in the past. But, it's, you know, yeah. looking, looking forward, you know, I, they brought in um, Antonio Conte, who, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll turn things yeah. around. It, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a good move. Um, he's a good manager. It's weird seeing him come in to a team midway through the season. Um, usually he waits till, you know, the start of the new season to really – make a, a managerial move because um, right. now he's got to come into a squad that's, you know, around mid table, you know, he doesn't have time to bring in players. He doesn't have time to bring in his coaching staff um, that he's built a rapport with. So he's got to kind of wing this as he, as he goes, but you know, it, it's going to be weird seeing him manage Tottenham and not Chelsea. Um, if, <laughs> if I was a Chelsea fan, I'd, I'd feel like I'm, you know, kind of stabbed in the back, but I mean, um, you know, as a Chelsea fan, it's definitely it's it's disheartening, but it's I don't know. If you're a respectable fan of football, like you gotta understand, you know, people need jobs and I mean I get it. I get it. Right, right. I don't I don't agree with it, but I get it, you know. And he's a great manager. I think he'll do great things at Tottenham. Um, but I definitely think he should have ended up at Man U. <laughs> Uh, oh, I he was going to go if he was going to go anywhere. Ole should have been gone a month ago. I mean, he should have been gone a year ago, to be fair, but I'm not a Man United fan. He should have been gone at least a month ago and they should have brought in Conte. I think that's their biggest mistake. I mean, if it were up to me, um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer would be made the permanent and forever manager of Man United. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for, for, for us fans of non Man United, I think he should stay. Right. <laughs> Uh, I I have loved just watching this team crash and burn ever ever since they brought in Ronaldo. I've I've just loved it, especially this last week um, with City beating them two nil. It yeah. it was just it, it was just total domination. It wasn't even close. Um, but I, I guess I'm kind of foreshadowing with our with our topic later on. But mo- moving on, um, Newcastle, as you mentioned earlier, under new management. Um, new ownership. What do you think is next for this team? You know, they're sitting nineteenth um, right now on the on the table, fighting for relegation. What do you, What do you think is next? Do you think they they make some big moves in the January transfer window, or so, um, do they kind of go down and then you know bring in a bunch of players and come back up next year? They're in an extremely tricky situation. Obviously, if you haven't heard, Newcastle's new owner is worth. I don't know, something in the ballpark of, I'm going to undershoot this. It's like $300 billion or something like that. I think it's more yeah. than 350, maybe even four. Yeah, I think they're the the wealthiest owners in the Premier League now. Yeah, um, by miles as well. Like, I think it's I think it's double of Man City or something like that. Maybe even triple. I can't remember. But extremely wealthy owners. Um, obviously, that doesn't change the financial fair play or anything like that. I mean, they say it doesn't, but sometimes it does, depending on who you ask. <laughs> um, but, but Newcastle this season, 
have no wins, five draws, six losses. You're sitting at five points and negative 12 goal differential. And obviously the, the transfer window is closed right now, so you can't do anything. And you have to wait till January. And in January, you could be sitting at one win, two wins. You could be looking at, I don't know. If you're lucky, you could be looking at like 20 points in January. If you're lucky, if you're Newcastle. Yeah. And then what do you what, what do you do with all this money and all this profound like ideas? They've they've already put in an offer to Barcelona for Ter Stegen around 50 million euros, 50 to 55, somewhere around there. But you're not gonna attract the players that you want to attract. You can pay them, but you're not gonna attract them to be like, oh, we're gonna play in the championship next season. And then the season right. you can play in the best league in the world. Nobody's gonna come to Newcastle this year. Nobody, unless they turn everything around right now, start having a winning season, guarantee that they're going to be in the Prem next season. Even then, when you're paying, when you have this much money to buy the players that they want to buy, like Ter Stegen or even jokingly like Holland or players like that, because they used to be a big club. I mean, that's where most players used to go, like Alan Scherer and people like that. Mm-hmm. They played at Newcastle. But, I mean, even if you were realistically thinking about actually buying these players, which they could just straight out buy these players. Nobody's going to want to play for them even this season because it's math. It's almost mathematically impossible for them to get to a Champions League spot by the time all these players are in. And these big players are going to want to play in Europe. And if you can't play in Europe and you can't guarantee Prem by the January transfer window, you're going to end up buying players like Calvert-Lewin who are good, but not, you know, not... Name that the money behind them is 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 pronouncing, I should say. I think right now their their number one objective has to be stay in the Premier League. Um, you know, it, bring in whoever you need to bring in. You got to stay up. Um, obviously, they're not going to be able to, like you said, bring in you know some like someone like Mbappe or you know Ter Stegen, but they can start building a squad of good players. That's you know, good enough to, you know, finish mid-table and and slowly build a squad that compete for a Champions League spot because they're not going to be able to build a team that's going to win the Champions League overnight. This this is still going to be, you know, a couple season project um, that they're going to have to undertake. Um, but I think if they can start bringing in some younger, you know, high potential players, really start investing in that youth system, you know, in, you know, four or five years who's to say that they're not you know competing for a Europa League or hell even even a Champions League spot um so I mean with the amount of money that they have you know their resources are unlimited so they should be able to you know once they solidify that squad and it's a stable organization they should be able to to be successful um you know I'm, I'm kind of hoping that they turn it around because I mean that's Newcastle is the you know historic club. It's one of the the biggest clubs in in England. Um, obviously, they haven't been as successful, but you know, just talking about fan base, uh, they have one of the largest fan bases in the country. Um, so I mean, they're they're a historic club that you know has fallen on hard times, and it, it would be, I think, it'd be good for the Premier League if they turn things around. But you know, okay. I just, just look, looking at it from an outsider's perspective, I, I think the future looks bright with this club. It's it's definitely bright for Newcastle, but I mean, realistically, you're looking at what what they need to do, at least in my mind, is they need to stay up this year, buy a couple of 
I don't know if world-class is the correct word, but it's thrown around loosely these days. So a couple of world-class players, somebody up front, like probably two in the midfield, one at the back, maybe a goalkeeper. Just buy them in the tra- the January window. Just offer them an ass ton of money to help stay in the Premier League. Give them like a one or two year contract. Just be like, here's a ridiculous amount of money. Turn the club around a little bit. <clears throat> Once you get that established, they've got the money to do the exact same thing, but with a little bit more high profile. And this is, I mean, you're probably talking, it wouldn't be like they, they got to just stay up next year. They got to establish themselves in the, in the, in the next season. And then probably in the third season, they can start bringing in actual players that are good, well-known players to help make that side that can fight for the top six spot like they used to even before mm-hmm. the Premier League. But you're looking at three seasons from now before you're even about a Newcastle side that can take down a top six club on a consistent basis. I mean, that, that's why I think they need to go young and, and high potential with their squad and, and really invest in that youth system because – you know, right now, you know, you go approach someone like Mbappe or, or Neymar, they're not going to come to Newcastle when they know it's going to be three years. So they're realistically competing for a Champions League spot. Um, you got to you got to go get players that are hungry, that, you know, still have a lot to prove that are OK with, you know, being on for a three to five year project um, or, you know, being part of a project that they might not see the you know the the final reward of you know competing for a, a champions league or a premier league um title so i i i think we we both agree that it's not going to be an overnight change as much as you know newcastle fans probably want it to be um you know i bring up city a lot but we you look at the takeover in you know 2008 we didn't win the premier league until 2011 um so i mean it was uh, a three year project to, to build the squad from what it was to, you know, eventually what it became and what it is now. So, you know, it, I, it's been a rough ride for, for Newcastle fans for the past, you know, 10 years or so, but you know, I, I think patience is key. And that's probably what they've heard quite a bit of over the last couple of years, but um, you know, you, they actually have potential now uh, to build a, a good club. So I, I definitely think down the road, this is this is going to be an organization to be reckoned with, but that's <laughs> years in the future. Looking at the season as it stands right now, um, who do you think are some of the title contenders for the Premier League? Um, realistically, and as much as this pains me, um, I think it's Chelsea, Man City, Liverpool. I don't think you don't think uh, West Ham could win it. Nick is going to be real sad. You know, you don't believe in the Hams as he does. As of right now, I don't – I think it's the same three teams. I don't think – I don't think anything's changed. I would like to say Man United over Liverpool. I've never really been a big Liverpool fan. I've always – I don't know. But I think it's Chelsea, Man City, Liverpool for the top spot. I think if Chelsea doesn't finish first, I think they're second and whoever else is third. Personally, that's what I'm thinking. Probably, I really don't see Liverpool winning it. They look really good right now. I just don't know. I don't I don't think they have the depth that they need to have in their squad. And that was proven. It was proven last year, 
But at the same time, it wasn't because last year was such a crazy season that they still ended up finishing above Chelsea, who had a phenomenal second half of the season, obviously won the Champions League, did all this phenomenal things. Liverpool still finished above them. So yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I legitimately don't think that they have a in them win the Premier League this season. I could be proven wrong pretty easily. I've their form is really good right now. If their players stay healthy, they could win it easy. But I don't see that happening. I don't see all 11 of their players staying fit and healthy and able to play 38 games plus the other 40 games in Europe. I don't see it happening. So that's my thoughts. I think West Ham probably finishes Europa League this year. I think Man United's probably in there and everybody else is just in the table. Um, I think Man United could easily turn this around. Ronaldo's the classic clutch player that they need, but <clears throat> I mean, if you watch any Premier League, you know Man United's struggling, you know Ole's struggling, but I think that's what they need. I think they need to get rid of Ole. If they get rid of Ole, I think they're probably looking for that top four spot, even top three spot. Um, I don't know if they get to second or first this year, but that's my- yeah, I, I think we pretty much agree um, with, with who we think is going to be competing for the championship. Um, you know, um, I, I don't think Man United is going to really contend for anything this year. Um, I don't see them getting a Europa League spot. Um, their their form is just awful. They look lost. I, I I don't even know if bringing in a new manager can fix this team. Um, I don't know. It you can have you know the highest payroll. You can buy all these great players. You can buy a legend like you know Cristiano Ronaldo. That doesn't necessarily translate to wins. Um, you know it's it's not like playing FIFA or you know fantasy uh, soccer. Um, I don't even know if that's the thing, but you know it's not like you're in a fantasy league where you know just just collecting a bunch of top talent's going to win you a championship. You you they actually have to play together. And this this team, I don't know if it's if it's Oli, but the the players just don't seem to be playing together. Um, there's no there's no chemistry at all with this team. Um, so you can have all the talent in the world if they don't play well together. You know, it's not really going to matter. Um, but with that being said, I think I, I know Chelsea sit top of the table right now. Um, they're two points ahead of City and West Ham. I think I think City is going to come away with it. I know I'm biased, <laughs> um, but but I, I generally think that City is going to win the league again, um, followed closely by Chelsea. Um, it's it's going to be close. I can see this coming down to you know the last day of the season. Um, I think I think it's going to be City, Chelsea, and and Liverpool as a top three. Um, I don't know. I, I'm I'm impressed with the run that Arsenal has been on, you know, as much as we, we joked about them early in the season being bottom of the table. Um, I think Arteta's has saved his job um, for definitely for the rest of this season, unless they absolutely collapse and lose every other game. Um, but I'm, I'm liking this Arsenal squad. I, I think they can finish fourth or fifth. I think West Ham is a team that's not really going to go away. They're going to they're going to get everything they, they have. I can see them finishing again, fourth or fifth. Um, but that that's pretty much how I have the, the top five spots rounding out. Um, I'm hoping it works out that way. Cause that means, you know, my favorite team gets another premier league title, but either way, I think it's going to be an amazing rest of the season. Um, premier league and, and champions league. I'm, I just can't wait to watch it. And, um, 
It gives me two points to talk about. One, the fact that you don't play fantasy Premier League and didn't even know it existed. <laughs> we got to play next year. And three, the fact that you think Arsenal is going to stay in the top five. Kind of, I don't know. <laughs> Obviously, Arsenal's Arsenal, right? They've been a huge club for decades. But I don't know if they can keep the run of form that they're in. And obviously, they're in a good run of form. They're winning. They've won their last four matches, drew the fifth. <clears throat> but for me, they haven't played anybody that shows that they're actually good enough. Um, they're, they're, the win over Leicester City was was good. Granted, it was a 2-0 no win. But Leicester's been a terrible run of form. They played Watford. They played Leeds. They played Ashton Villa. And they played Crystal Palace. That's four out of five sides that they've played have been in the top or in the bottom five. So yeah. for me, I don't, I don't know if it's there yet, but um, I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely excited because as you said, there's obviously West Ham's up there. You still got Tottenham at ninth with, with Conte that can turn this whole thing around. You've got Wolves, which is always a side and it's got players that can upset anybody. You've got Brighton who's been on a crazy run of four Man United's up in the air. Arsenal's up in the air. Leicester who's usually you know, the killers of the Prem that's been arguably the top six side instead of Tottenham, um, who's sitting at 12th, if they can turn things around. I mean, you never know where things are going to end up. I think that the Premier League is, as unbiasedly as I could say this, and I watch every top five league, I think the Premier League is the best league right now, and I think it's the best fought league right now. Um, yeah, I mean, the super exciting. The- the 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 parity in, in the league and it's it's as wide open as it's ever been. Um, usually, you know, it's always the same, you know, three or four teams that are competing for the championship every year. But you know, the the table is is pretty jam packed, and you, I mean, you can make a, a realistic case for you know four, five, maybe even six teams um, that are that are competing it. And there's there's some teams that are playing really well, like West Ham. Like I never in a hundred years would have thought that, you know, West Ham will be, you know, fighting for the top of the table right now, let alone a, a, champ, uh, a European league spot. Um, so it, it's good to see teams that haven't been, been good for a while, aren't considered one of the, you know, big six clubs um, compete and, and play really well, like Brighton and, you know, West Ham, like I said, um, you know, Wolves have been, playing a little bit better um, as of recently. You know, I, I think it's it's a really good time to be a fan of a Premier League team. I tell you what, one league that is not fun to watch right now is the Bundesliga. <laughs> um, you know, we, we, we talked about this earlier <laughs> off camera. Um, it's it's just not, not, not a fun league to watch anymore. Um, you know, we, we look at the table and again, Byron's at the top. They've They've won it every year for the past 10 years um you know is looking at the table this year is Bayern this good or is is the league just garbage um that's that's a pretty loaded question um (laughs) yeah Bayern's Bayern's won the league the last 10 years and I'd say probably six or seven of those years it was it was pretty heavy-handedly um where they weren't really too in doubt of winning their league um, <clears throat> there's been a couple of leagues here and there where Dortmund was really close, a couple of points behind. Leipzig was a couple of points behind. Leverkusen is good, but I, I mean, usually, even when it when it comes down to 
the last couple of the games of the season, usually Byron's playing somebody that's on the lower end of the, of the table. And it's just because I like to watch the Bundesliga. I do. I Personally, I think it's probably my second favorite league to watch on a normal basis just because I like the players that come out of there and a lot of players that I'm not going to say it's a farmer's league, but there's a lot of players that are grown and developed in the Bundesliga. So I do like to watch. But <clears throat> this year, um, especially the last couple of years, Byron's done really well in, in Europe. Obviously, last year they got knocked out from PSG over the two legs um, by one goal, but they were missing Lewandowski. Um, and I think the Bundesliga this year has just, I don't know. It's, it's, a, little, it's a little weird because Byron started off a little rocky. In Europe, they look good. Obviously, Lewandowski obviously always looks good. He's, I don't know, he's on like six goals a game this season right now, it seems like. He's scoring a hat trick every game. But, I mean, Dortmund's missing Holland right now. Dortmund, Dortmund's missing a lot of players right now. Dortmund, I think they're missing six or seven players, and probably two or three of them are main squad players. Leipzig is, you know, it's it's Leipzig is a farmer club, as much as I hate to say it. They develop a lot of youth players and they sell them off. So, this is one of their years where they kind of sold off all of their really, really good players besides Nkuku, who's been carrying the team this year, um, at least keeping them in the race. But even then, they're 10 points behind Bayern. And, it, I mean, you just look at the table. Bayern's at 28. Dortmund's next with 24. Uh, Freiburg is at 22, who's usually a side that's 7th, 8th, ninth in the table if you don't normally watch. Wolfsburg is 19th, Leipzig is 18th, and Leverkusen is 18th. So <laughs> when you're talking a Europa League to a Champions League spot, you're only talking one point. But if you're talking a Euro Europa League, or if, you, if you're even talking a Champions League spot to top of the table, you're talking 11 points right now. And we're only 11 games into the season. So they're dominating <clears> the <throat> Bundesliga. But I don't know, personally... I don't think they're playing as good as they were two years, two two or three years ago. Can't remember when they won the Champions League. Um, I, I I think they're a good side. I think they'll always be a good side. Obviously, they just they have unlimited amounts of money. It seems like as long as they have Lewandowski, they're going to be a good side. They have so many top form players. But when it comes to Europe this year, I think there's so many teams. Chelsea, Man City, possibly PSG, if they can get their ego situation worked out. Um, I mean, there's so many teams in the in, in the Champions League that I think are equivalent to or better than Bayern on a regular basis. And yet, when you look at the Bundesliga table, they're, I mean, they're four points clear at the top, but they're 10 points from the next person down. So, I don't know. For me, the league is, the league is dead right now. Um, I think if Dortmund didn't lose Holland to a thigh injury and didn't lose like 90% of their squad, maybe it would be a better league this year. But even then, you're only talking two teams fighting for the top two. When we're looking at the Prem, we've got six teams fighting for the top four. And we've got, you know, you look at PSG, you're looking at five or six teams fighting for the top, or League One, you're talking five or six teams fighting for the top four. I mean, <laughs> it's, just, it's just not a great year for the Bundesliga. Long story short. Yeah, I mean, uh, another club that, you know, I, I consider to be a feeder team is Dortmund. Um, 
you know, and, and really the, the league itself, except for Byron is to me a feeder league. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if you've had the chance here recently, but I, I recently found an article of, um, you know, a starting 11 of players sold by Dortmund. And the, this list of players is just absolutely ridiculous. Like the squad that they could have if they didn't sell their top talent um, over the last couple of years is a team that, you know, could be considered one of the best teams in the world. Um, you know, just listing off some of the players, um, you know, you got Aubameyang who, you know, now he's on the downside of his career, but um, when he made the move over to Arsenal, he was a very good striker. Um, Robert Lewandowski, um, Dembele, who's over at uh, Barcelona right now, Mario Guzza, Ilika Gundogan. I mean, Christian Pulisic. And, you know, let's not forget that they still have um, Jaden Sancho was on the, on the squad for a while. Um, you know, that's that, that five right there, you know, that that's, that's a world-class that's, a, yeah. attack. Um, you know, and you mix those with players like, um, you know, Holland and you got Jude Bellingham on the squad, you know, that, that right there is a team that could be competing for a champions league. You know, that, now yeah. they're, they're, they're trying to just fight for relevance in their own domestic league. Yeah, um, not to mention the fact that not only are they selling their players like crazy and I mean, you can't really blame them. Football is a business when it comes, when it boils down to it, but I mean, they had Jurgen Klopp at one point. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> the, I mean, their coaches have just been incredible the last couple of years. They've sold their coaches and they've sold, I mean, they, they sell everybody. And yet 99.9% of the time, they're the second best league and or the second best team in the Bundesliga. Yeah. And I mean, if you're going to sell your top players, fine. You know, I, if I were a fan, I would expect that money to be, used to buy even better talent um but they they just sell and then they don't really replace um you know i i, I get that the football's a business and you know if you can sell a player for for a pretty good profit then you know i understand making that move but you know the the one thing that can bring in more money than selling your players is, is winning you know the, the amount of money that they'd be able to get you know if they you know, make the Champions League or win the Champions League or win the Bundesliga will, you know, far outweigh, you know, what they could get for, you know, Holland next season or uh, Jude Bellingham next season. So I don't know. It, to me, to me, winning brings in more money than just selling players. Um, you know, a lot of teams in this league, it seems like they just want to sell players or they're, they're content with not really competing and they're just letting Bayern just, you know, run them over every year, you know, for the yeah. past decade, it's, it's just been Dortmund. Um, they're not Dortmund, uh, Bayern. And uh, it, it's, it's really discouraging to watch because, you know, I, I, I hope this is not a trend that continues throughout the rest of Europe. Um, for, for a while, it looked like it was going to be that way in Italy. Um, and even to a lesser extent in, in France and Spain, um, but I, I don't know. I, I like leagues like the Premier League that are competitive. You know, it, you even look at a team, you know, sitting around ninth in the table or even at the bottom of the table. The Premier League, any team could beat any team any week. Obviously, you know, the, the talent and, and the resources are skewed towards the teams at the top. But, you know, every week there there's an upset of a team that we never thought would, you know, beat, a, you know, a top six team and 
you know, it, it, I mean, you, you could see a team like Norwich, you know, beat Chelsea, you know, it, it, you know, it doesn't happen often, but, but it still happens, you know, in, in any other league in, in Europe, especially the, the Bundesliga, it's just, just not competitive. And it's, I don't know, it, to me, it, it's a league that, you know, I, I'm interested in watching just because, you know, there, there's a lot of good players that come from that league, but I'm watching it and I'm like, you know, I wonder where he's going to end up in a year because he's playing really well. So he's not staying around, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's, it's definitely the right now it's, it's the least competitive of any of the top five leagues. And back, I mean, back to the original point, uh, Bayern's obvious is, is always going to be a good side. They're always going to be number one in Bundesliga and occasionally number two, but I mean, it's because they buy everybody. They buy everybody from the Bundesliga. They buy everybody from wherever they want, really. They got the money to do whatever they want. Um, yeah, and I mean, you look at a team like Dortmund with with all the players that they've sold, they have the money too. Right. You know, I, I don't know. I really don't know what they're using that money for. Um, you know, I, I guess it's player development because as soon as their players get good, they sell them. Yeah. The, the Bundesliga has a really good player development program i mean when you <laughs> i mean even when you look at stuttgart at the towards the bottom of the table i mean a lot of players that have even moved their way up in the bundesliga or come out of the bundesliga they've come through stuttgart they're 15th in the table if you don't know about them but they have a great academy leipzig obviously has a great academy academy leverkusen has a great academy Dortmund has an amazing academy but <laughs> when it boils down to it you only got two teams in that league Bayern and Dortmund that realistically can fight in Europe. And even when you talk about Bayern fighting in Europe, I just, this year, I don't see them being dominant. Um, I think there's too many good sides out there. I think, I mean, they're going to win the Bundesliga this year, just like they have the past 10 years. Um, And they look good. I'm not going to take anything away from them, but I just don't, I don't see them doing much in Europe this year. I think they'll probably make it. To the round of 16, but I don't, I don't know. Maybe the quarterfinals if they're lucky. Um, I, I think there's too many good teams in other leagues right now, especially in, in Serie A, where you have, you know, an actual race between the Milans and Juventus, who's not even in the top six right now. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I think, I think we've got a great year ahead of us when it comes to, when it comes to Europe. I think there's a lot of good sides out there that have, finally been able to put everything together and work really cohesively. That's going to make Europe a, a huge challenge this year, especially for Chelsea, the uh, defenders, might I add. Um, you just got to rub that in, don't you? <laughs> every week I can. I got to rub it in a little bit. <laughs> it's, it's, it still hurts. It still hurts. Hey, we let you have the Premier League, so it's fine. Um, I, I don't know. I think it's... It's, it'll always be a good league. They're always going to pre- produce good players. But right now, it's just it's just domination by Bayern. And, and I think the part that's hard for me to watch the league right now is, it's, is it, that it is domination by Bayern. And at the same time, I don't think the Bayern squad plays good enough in Europe to beat a top six club in Serie A or Premier League. Right now, personally, that's that's how I feel. So it feels almost like I'm watching a good club 
that's dominating a league in every aspect of the way. But then when they're given a test, they're kind of like mediocre. And obviously two or three years ago, that wasn't the case, but that's what I see from them this year. Um, <laughs> we'll just have to see what happens. Yeah. I mean, with, with Byron this year, I mean, they just look like a team that's, that's bored, you know, that after 10 years of, of dominating the Bundesliga, you know, that they, they know that the Bundesliga is not their top priority, you know, and I, I feel like maybe they're, they're a victim of their own success where, you know, they'll, they'll show up and they'll, they'll play well enough to win the league just because their talent is so far and away better than everyone else. But, you know, I, to me, it looks like they're a little disinterested um, because they don't really care about these games. They're, they're just, you know, waiting to get back and, you know, for the Champions League games to start because that that's what their priority is. Because um, they, they know that there's no competition in their domestic league, so they can focus all their time and energy into the Champions League. Um, so I, I think, you know, going forward, once the Champions League starts back up, we'll, we'll see the Bayern that we're used to. It's just, you know, right now there's no Champions League, so there's no interest in, in this Bayern side to to really be Bayern. Yeah, it's... um. I think it's going to be a great year when it comes to Europe. I think it's probably going to be one of the best years that we've had in a very long time where there's not, <laughs> obviously in groups, there's always a couple of teams that dominate, but I think once we get to the round of 16, I think there's going to be a couple of upsets. I think it's going to be a great, it's going to be one of those IX Tottenham years a couple of years ago where you <laughs> upsetting teams. Tottenham shouldn't have made it to the finals, but they did anyway. And I don't know. I think it's going yeah. to be a great year in Europe because there's so many good clubs out there right now. I think Premier League is going to be a ridiculous league to watch. I think Serie A is going to be a ridiculous league to watch. League One right now is not super crazy to watch, even though last year they obviously PSG lost their title for the first time in like nine years or whatever. But I think eventually that team's going to, I don't know, there's something going on with PSG. I think that's going to be a good league to watch. Even if you're not a super fan of La Liga or the football that they're playing right now because Barcelona, Madrid, and Atletico Madrid are kind of eh right now, especially Barcelona is kind of eh. Um, I mean, there's a lot of talent in that league that can – I mean, that league's crazy right now. You've got Real Sociedad leading La Liga, who last year finished, I don't know, sixth or fifth or something like that. So, I, I mean, it's the, the David Silva effect, man. Yeah, that's that's a crazy league to watch right now. Um and then, and then you got Byron winning by thirty points in the Bundesliga. <laughs> I, I I agree. It's definitely going to be interesting to watch, and I, I think this is going to be the the most fun Champions League to watch. Um, just because you said the, the the teams that are competing in it are just so good, and I mean they're they're good every year. I mean it's it's the Champions League. They're in the Champions League for a reason. But you know th- these teams have just gotten better and better every season. Um, I personally can't wait for the Champions League to come back. I'm I'm getting pretty tired of of watching you know Man City go up against you know a lower level side in, in the EFL Cup or you know the <laughs> FA Cup or you know I, yeah. I don't I don't care about that you know I I, I like watching those games because you see a lot of um, a lot of players from the under twenty one side um, play for the play for the main club, but other than that. Like, man, just 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 give me give me the Champions League because that, that's really all I care about. <laughs> but I think that that pretty much wraps up 
um, what we had for this episode. Thanks for uh, coming on for another episode, man. Of course. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here. I love talking football. If it, uh, people haven't noticed. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, that is why we are kind of both on this, uh, this soccer show. <laughs> but like I said, thanks for coming on. And, you know, thanks everyone for, for giving us a listen. As always, we are Deep Dive Sports. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you would like to hear more, feel free to listen to past episodes and look for new ones every Friday. And don't forget to follow us at deep.dive.sport on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for any update. And please let us know what you would like us to take a deep dive into next. As always, we are Deep Dive Sports. Until next time.